If you guys have your Bibles, uh, open to the book of Romans, uh, chapter 5. We are cruising through the book of Romans at a very slow and steady pace. uh, And at the rate at which we are going, we are probably going to be in Romans uh, for a long time. Um, But I don't feel bad. I don't feel bad about being in Romans for a long time. Uh, when I've heard of some pastors taking 10 years to go through the book of Romans on a Sunday morning study, uh, I think John Piper took 13 years uh, at his church to go through the book of Romans. We're not going to take 13 years to go through Romans uh, because in 13 years, we're all not going to be in the college group anymore. Uh, We're all going to probably have kids and be old. Um, And so we're, we're, we're not going to, we're not going to do that. Uh, but we're going to be in Romans probably for the next few months. Uh, and, and how many of you guys are enjoying uh, the team teaching style, having Dan and Josh uh, and, and some others speak? <laughs> yeah, because if you didn't raise your hands, I'd make these guys feel bad the way I worded that question. Uh, no, guys, we're, we're having a lot of fun uh, going through the book of Romans. Next week, we're taking a pause from the Roman study uh, as, as we're having uh, Jamie DeWeese, uh, Chi Alpha missionary to Clackamas Community College. He's going to come. He's going to come share with us. Uh, so that'll be a lot of fun. But tonight, guys, we're in Romans chapter 5. Uh, it's one of my favorite portions of scripture. And so I told the boys, I said, uh, well, no matter how we line the preaching schedule up, I'm preaching on Romans 5, at least the first 11 verses. And that's what we're doing tonight. So if you're there in your Bibles, uh, follow along with me as we read. It says this, therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with Christ or, or with, with God through uh, our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulation, knowing that the tribulation produces perseverance, and perseverance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not disappoint, because the love of God has been poured out in the hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. For when we were still without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely will a righteous man die, uh, uh, will a man, let me reread the verse 7, for scarcely a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrated his own love towards us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath through him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through death, uh, through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. And not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Let's pray. Dear God, we thank you so much uh, for your word. Uh, God, we thank you uh, that you speak to us through your word. Uh, God, we thank you that we can approach you uh, in, in, in a way uh, that is unrestricted. We don't have to go through a priest. We don't have to go through uh, a, a temple system. But, God, we get to just approach you um, as we would approach our friends, as we would approach our family. Uh, God, because you are our friend and, and, and you are our father. So, God, we thank you that we can approach you that way. God, we thank you that you've given us your word, and it is by your word, um, God, that that, that we hear your words uh, and and we see your plan for us. God, I just pray that tonight you would reveal uh, the truth of your word, the truth of your plan of salvation to us. Uh, God, and I pray that each every every single one of us, God, uh, that we would leave this place uh, just more excited about you, um, more just stoked uh, to be children of God. and God, that we'd be encouraged. So God, we thank you and we praise you in your son's wonderful and beautiful name, Jesus Christ. And all God's people said, amen. 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 How many of you guys have a Twitter? Boo. <laughs> all right, raise your hand high if you have a Twitter. 
Okay, uh, not that's less than half. All right, uh, raise your hand. I, I have a Twitter too. I have a Twitter also. Uh, how many of you guys have an Instagram? Anyone have an Instagram up in this place? Uh, almost everyone has an Instagram. Okay, uh, how many of y'all have a MySpace? I still have. You okay? So I never deleted my MySpace. Does it? Does anyone besides Ben and I have a MySpace still? I look at the old. Nice. There we go. Okay, so I have a MySpace and I have a MySpace music account. Uh, so if you ever want to check out my rap EP, uh, you can go on to MySpace Music uh, slash Spitty Fingers and look at. No, uh, I'm not even joking. Uh, but that was not supposed to be in the sermon. Uh, we're gonna scratch that. Um, no. Okay. So so we all have social media, uh, and, and and yeah. Oh, does anyone have Facebook? Does anyone not have Facebook? We all got Facebook. All right. Uh, so, so uh, I like scrolling. Sometimes I like scrolling through my, my uh, social media feeds, uh, looking for the cool one-liners in uh, the cool, like, uh, whether, whether it be a cliche or um, uh, just so many good tweetable tweets, you know? And I, was, uh, I wasn't going through my social media. I was actually going through a history book uh, because I'm weird. Um, and I was looking through some commentaries on Romans chapter five, uh, written by the church fathers. Uh, and I want to read you something that does not sound intellectual. I want to read you something, uh, that will in no way, uh, be like, wow, he's talking church history again. Listen to what origin says. This is good. And if you have a smartphone, pull it out. Cause you're going to tweet this. This is really good. Peace reigns when no one complains. Boom. That's oh. third century right there. Whoa. Peace reigns when no one complains. That's a, that's tweetable. And the only reason I share that uh, is because he says here, therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace uh, with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, we spent the last probably seven weeks just talking about justification by faith and by faith alone. Uh, and, and we've talked about how it is grace, not works. So I'm not going to beat that dead horse like Paul does anymore. Uh, what I'm going to say is since we are saved by our faith and we're justified by our faith, now that we know that, we can now have peace. We were given the example of how Abraham was justified first by his faith, not his works, and now he is living in a justified life. And because of that, he is called a friend of God. He has peace with God. Now we too, because we are justified by our faith, we can have peace. We are not in this constant state of toiling and working, trying to earn. We can have peace. And because of this peace, now we can begin to settle into what Christ has for us. Verse two says this, through whom also we have access by faith into his grace in which we stand and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Because we are saved, because we have been justified, we can now stand not sit, we can stand, not lay face flat on the ground stuck in our sin, but we can stand and not only stand, but we can rejoice in the glory of God. We're going to talk a lot about rejoicing tonight, uh, but we're going to talk even more about hope. Uh, the real crux of everything we're going to talk about tonight uh, is found in the verses uh, of 3 through 5. I'm going to read these twice, and then we're going to look at it, and we're going to see kind of what it has to say. It says... Just reiterating what it says in verse 2, we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And not only do we rejoice in that, but we also glory in tribulation, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance and perseverance produces character and character produces hope. Now, hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Again, 
And not only that, but we glory in tribulation, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, perseverance produces character, and character produces hope. And that hope does not disappoint. Hope uh, is, is defined as the absolute expectancy of good to come. Um, this would be like uh, Christmas, okay? Uh, how many of you guys enjoyed Christmas? Uh, how many of you guys, when you were a kid, you asked for uh, the coolest toy there was? How many of you were in a kid you accidentally saw, and I, I'm putting accident because I never searched out the presents because I wanted to be surprised, but sometimes I accidentally found out uh, what I was getting and I saw that it was exactly what I had asked for. Um, so, as Christmas is rolling up, I have the absolute expectancy of good to come because I know I'm going to get what I asked for. In uh, that giddy feeling of Christmas morning and you're opening like, which gift is it actually going to be? I know it's here somewhere. Um, well, that's our faith in Christ. We have an absolute expectancy of good to come. When we put our faith in Jesus Christ, heaven is our end game. And, and, and we have the hope, the assurance that we will be with God in heaven if we've put our faith in Jesus Paul tells us that he has given us the Holy Spirit as a deposit or an earnest uh, of our future home. Um, when it comes to the home buying uh, market and, and, and situation when you're buying a home, you put down earnest money when you put in an offer. Uh, you, you don't just say, yeah, I'm willing to pay 300000 Trust me. No, you say, I'm willing to pay 300000 and here's 2500 down so that you know I am... I mean business. Uh, and God's done the same thing with us. He said, um, I go to prepare a place for you. If it wasn't so, I wouldn't have said it. But I have also left you a deposit in earnest, the Holy Spirit, so that you may know and that you can have this hope. So we're told that we rejoice in the hope. The hope is the absolute expectancy of good to come. But not only do we rejoice in hope, but we're going to do something that seems so counterproductive to the world in which we live. And in all reality, so counterproductive to the fact that we're rejoicing in our future. He's saying, not only do we rejoice in our future hope, yay, goody, goody, fun, fun, um, or as Ryan said to the youth group on Sunday night, uh, life full of dandelions and candy canes. Uh, I don't actually know if that's the most fun situation, but we're going to rejoice in our current tribulation. Uh, not just like hard times like I stubbed my toe when I was going to the bathroom at one o'clock in the morning because the lights were off and I it's bleeding everywhere uh, that's a that, that's a sad situation but that's not a tribulation uh, tribulation is like everything is coming down around you and you don't know how you're gonna su survive or sustain uh, that is when Paul says hey we rejoice when these tribulations come this this word tribulation is the Greek word uh, thlipsis uh, and it literally is just this this word that describes when every wall comes crashing down and you're attacked on all fronts uh, if uh, you guys seen Ender's game uh, okay <laughs> You know when he's, yeah, the book was actually better. Uh, but you know when he's in that, if you've seen the movie, he's in that like training arena where it's like 360 degree, like there's attack from everywhere. Imagine being in the center of it with no defense. And now you're not only being attacked from all sides, but from on top and underneath. You're just getting attacked from everywhere. Um, that's the tribulation we're talking about here. And Paul says, hey, let's rejoice when that tribulation comes our way. Uh, that's very counterintuitive. Um to the things that we uh, we as humans tend to do. Um, but he says this, and this is the reason why. He said, because we know that tribulation 
uh, produces perseverance, and perseverance produces character, and character produces hope. Uh, it's, it's this prescription of if we rejoice in one, we know that the one will lead to this. And then when we are rejoicing in this, we know that it's going to lead to this. And then at the end of it, it brings us full circle back to rejoicing uh, in our hope. Uh, I, I had the opportunity a few years ago um, to go to Death Valley, uh, California. It's, it, it's the largest national park in the United States. Uh, it's a beautiful uh, plot of land. It, it, I, I talked to some of the people there. I'm so sorry. <laughs> yeah, there's some. I, I come from the Sierra Nevada. I'm so sorry. Oh yeah, there, there, there were some interesting people down there, but uh, uh, <laughs> there were also scorpions, and, and 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 sometimes the scorpions were a little nicer to talk to. No, I'm just joking. Uh, but no. Uh, if you went to my town, you wouldn't. Be <laughs> Death Valley is huge, uh, and it's hot. And it, it, uh, there's gigantic mountain ranges. You go from like 14,000 feet in the mountains to just a few miles, you're below sea level by 100 feet. It is, it is this beautiful, beautiful place. Um, and there's some beautiful, beautiful trees there. Uh, down, down in the bottom area, uh, in the actual valley, uh, the, the valley of the shadow of death. No, uh, de de down in Death Valley, there's trees, uh, and, and, and there's these cypress trees that grow there, um, and, and they're beautiful. Oh my goodness, when you see them, they're just beautiful. And, and, and the way their trunks are, they're just so twisted. And they, they don't have bark on them. They're just, they're, they're just these beautiful pieces of twisted wood. And you're like, man, that is so cool. Uh, but then when you actually find out um, how they get to look that cool, you kind of start to feel bad for the tree. Uh, because it is so windy there, uh, and, and, and we're talking winds. Uh, I'm in my one-person tent at night. And the winds are so bad, it's lifting the tent off the ground. And the only thing that's actually holding the tent down is not me laying in it, but it's the stakes that I put in because the stakes were like two feet. Uh, it, it is windy, uh, let alone the coyotes that were trying to break into my tent also. It was a, it was a bad night's sleep. Um, but it's so windy there that these trees are just getting like just destroyed and twisted. But the trees survive. The trees live because of the way God has created them. Uh, the more wind that they are, 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 are oppressed with, the deeper their roots go, and these cypress trees uh, have the deepest roots of any tree in California because though the wind is sweeping them and the wind is destroying them up top, they are being more firmly rooted the more the world comes against them or the winds of this world come against, they're being more deeply rooted. And so when there's times of solace or when there's no wind, uh, these trees look magnificent and beautiful because they've withstood uh, the tribulation that weather was bringing their way. Uh, he here's a little side note about all of that. Uh, we are called uh, oaks of righteousness. Uh, we, we have been planted by living waters. We are strong trees as followers of Christ. Uh, and there's a reason why he uses oak. He doesn't use fir. We have Douglas firs. They're beautiful up here. Like we have billions of, of Douglas fir trees. But in windstorms, Douglas fir trees, they, they topple pretty quick because their root system isn't deep. Whereas oaks, oaks, their root systems go so down. They're, they're, there's a kind of oak tree in Death Valley called a tamarisk. And, and these, their roots will go down over 180 feet into the earth trying to find water. And when they do, they'll suck up the water. And these trees, they look down dead but they're not they're full of life and when winds come they don't tip we the, the we could talk for hours about trees and, and the correlations to us but we're not going to do that because that's not even what we're talking about tonight but the winds that are coming against and destroying these trees it's the same in our lives when the winds of this world come against us when tribulation comes against us what are we going to do are we going to be people who are rooted 
Are we going to be people who are firm in the foundation of Jesus Christ? Are we going to be people who are firm in the hope that we have? Or are we going to be people who, when the winds of this world come, we get knocked over, we get swayed, and we say, you know what? Maybe God wasn't there. I'm going to go try and find something else. Paul says, no, don't be that person. Be someone who is rooted. Be someone who rejoices when the tribulation comes, knowing that it uh, produces perseverance, and perseverance produces character, and character produces hope. Um, Jeremiah, the prophet in the Old Testament, uh, he he was going through a hard time. Uh, Israel at the time, Babylon was coming. The Babylonians were coming. They were destroying, doing some hard things. Jeremiah is going through a depression, like just hardcore depression. And he's begging God. He's about to quit uh, his job as a prophet. He's, just gonna, he, he's saying, you know what? Everything's coming against. God, I don't see it. I'm about ready to stop being a prophet. And God, rather than saying, oh, no, no, you got it. You Woohoo, go for it. Or, or, or rather than say, oh, I'll just make everything better so you can have a good life. Uh, he tells Jeremiah, he says, okay, go down to the potter's house. I'll speak to you at the potter's house. Go down to the potter's house. So Jeremiah, I can imagine his depression, and he doesn't know when the Babylonians are going. He's just sulking his way down to the potter's house. And he looks in the window, and what does he see? He sees the potter making this clay pot. Doing his thing. How many of you guys have ever seen uh, a clay pot being made? They got the wheel and they're pumping the wheel and it's spinning and they're doing their thing, you know, and they're just yep. uh, I'm dancing weird right now. But and they're just and they're forming and forming and they're making masterpieces. But let's now imagine ourselves being this piece of clay. Uh, we're told that God is 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 the potter. We're his workmanship. Um, they're, they're squeezing, they're pulling, they're yanking. I mean, the potters, they're doing work on this piece of clay. And there's pressure being applied. There's there's a stretching and, and tightening and, and then loosening and then put, like, they're under a lot of um, stre- uh, tribulation, if we're going to use the word that Paul uses. They're, these pieces of clay, they're, they're going through it. Every once in a while, he'll spin it a little too fast piece of clay flies off and flings and the clay's like ah and goes picks back up the clay molds it back in and he gets to the place where this clay at the end of it it looks like a beautiful pot and you can imagine the piece of clay being like ha i finally made it and the potter picks him up he's like ah time for my reward like this is great i'm gonna get flowers in me i'm gonna be in the front of the house it's gonna be awesome but then the potter opens up a door and it's not to the living room or, or, or to the floral shop. Uh, he opens it up and he's like, wow, this, this is a little bit hot. Um, because you can't just take a wet piece of clay that looks like a pot and use it because it's not going to do anything. It's going to fall apart. You put it in a kiln. You bring up the temperature and it gets super hot and it gets super rough and it becomes brittle. But then the hotter it gets, the stronger it gets, and then it's useful. So, too, what God was telling Jeremiah, he says, I, I, I'm putting you through it because you're going to come out stronger on the other side. Mm-hmm. And you're going to be useful on the other side. Paul tells us that we, as followers of Christ, we can be two kinds of vessels for the Lord. There's two kinds of vessels in the house, one for honor and one for dishonor. You see, they use the same potter. They use the same clay. They use the same shape, even, to make these big cisterns that one would be for honor and they'd, 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 they'd paint it and they'd adorn it with golden leaf and they'd, they'd put flowers or they'd, they'd, they'd put it in a fountain. It'd be beautiful. It'd be the place of honor. So when someone walks into the house, they're like, oh my goodness, this is so honorable. Or they'd say, yeah, well, we need another toilet. Uh, 
let's go put this back in the bathroom. And they would use these same things. And so one was for honor, one was for dishonor. And so as we're using this as an example, one could be like, well, okay, if I'm the clay and I'm going through it, how do I know God's not going to use me as a toilet uh, or, or as, as, a, as a dishonorable piece? Well, we have to have the faith that, that, that God, he who has begun a good work in us, is going to see it through to the end. If you put your faith in Christ, he has a spot of honor for you. And he's given you his Holy Spirit as the greatest gift so that we can be assured of the hope that we have and that he is going to honor us. And we just believe that as he's putting us through it, as we're going through these things, it's not God's punishment. It's not God's wrath. What it is, is it's God's, um, it's God's tuning. It's, it's, it, 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 it's, it's, it's the pruning that brings us uh, more into the person that he has us to be. Paul uses lots of examples. Uh, he uses wine uh, at other times, these grapes. Can you imagine being a grape and you're growing and you're hanging out with all your buddies on the vine? You know, you're like, hey, we're a bunch of grapes. And then in harvest time, you get thrown into a big bucket and then this weird person comes, takes their shoes off and starts putting their gross feet all over you, squishing you and your buddy just got popped and you're like, oh my goodness. And, 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 and you're just getting, it wouldn't be fun to be a grape. If they're going through it. And then, and, and, and then they start fermenting and they start smelling bad and you're like, what is going on? And then, oh, wow, this is great. This is great. We're, we're going to be wine. I can, I can taste it. It's, it's wine. But then the winemaker comes and he says, all right, first time. And he pours it out. Because what he's doing, every time he pours it out, he pours it out, he pours it out over and over and over again because he's purifying the wine. What he's doing is he's removing all the impurities because when you step on grapes, not only do you get like maybe pieces of a toenail or something, but you get grape skin and maybe a leaf or a twig here and there. You don't want to be drinking that. When you go out for a nice spaghetti dinner, you don't want gross wine, you know? And, and, and so it's pouring out over and over again until there's nothing left that's impure and you have pure wine and it's usable and, and you're able to serve it and it is an honorable thing. Same with the life of the believer. God is pouring us out, pouring us out, getting rid of the impurities that are in our life so that we can be used to our fullest potential for the Lord. A lot of times Christians, when we go through trials and tribulations, we ask God, what's going on? And we can get into this place of sulking where we say, oh, poor me, poor me, poor me. If I had a whiteboard, I'd write it out. We're saying P-O-O-R, poor, like, or, or no, not that, that's, that's, that's with a U. I'm getting there. We're like, poor me, like, this, this sucks. But what we should be saying is P-O-U-R pour me out. We should embrace when God is, 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 is bringing those things on us because they're making us better. What does he also say? He says, just as gold is refined by the fire, so too are we refined by the fires of this world. The, the Silver, gold, they're, they're all just ore. They're, they're, they're rocks and rocks are dirty. And if, if you want to have a beautiful piece of jewelry, you don't just give a dirty, rocky piece of jewelry. No, what you do is you, you smelt it and you take out all the impurities and fire, fire, fire. What I'm getting at is there's a lot of pressure that's applied. Save the best one for last. How many of you guys know how diamonds are formed? It's a chunk of charcoal, like Kingsford. You put some lighter fluid on it, make a hot dog, you know? But over time and under great amount of heat, temperature, stress, and pressure, that piece of charcoal will turn into a beautiful diamond. 
so too the life of the believer. We go through things not as a result of God's wrath, not as a result of God's punishment, not as a result of God's anger. We go through things because God says, on the other side, I know you are going to be so much stronger and so much more useful for me. So he allows us to go through these things. A quote says this, it says, For these who are well prepared, or, or, or for to those who are well prepared, uh, tribulation is like certain food and exercise for an athlete, which leads to the inheritance of glory. When we are reviled, we bless. When we are maligned, we entreat. When we are ill-treated, we give thanks. And when we are afflicted, we give glory in our afflictions. Another quote says this, It's not by us, but by the Holy Spirit who is given to us. It is this reason that tribulation does not destroy patience, but rather gives way to patience. Perseverance is a direct result of tribulation. And when tribulation comes our way... We are to embrace it and rejoice in it because that perseverance not only is producing us and we become more patient, which is definitely an attribute of God, but perseverance produces character. And character is key. Uh, I remember playing football, uh, and, and the big thing at Clackamas, it was like, you've got to be a person of character, 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 character. Um, the best definition for character is character is the person you are when no one else is watching. That's your character. We can we can put on masks. We can wear the certain kind of clothes. We can have a character that looks good to the outside. But when we're all alone, what's our thought life? When we're all alone, how are we operating our lives? That is the person who we truly are. The person we are when no one else is watching. That's our character. And so, person who looks good on the outside, boom, 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 boom. When tribulation hits, if their character is not strong, if their character is not true, they're going to fall. And they're going to be swept away by the wind. They're going to be like those Douglas fir trees, looking big, strong, and beautiful, magnificent, the great Pacific Northwest. But when the wind comes, yeah, okay, I'd rather be a little desert tree that's getting wind swept and doesn't look like I'm anything, but I can hold. So to the believer, we need to have our character found not in our ego, our character is not found in, in our possessions. Our character is found in who Christ says we are. Right. So often we want to know who we are, but I think God's word is telling us rather than finding who you are, find out whose you are. And when you know whose you are, you can live from a place of rejoicing, a place of hope, a place of glorying in the hard times. James tells us to count it all joy uh, when, when you face various trials. Uh, count it all joy. Count it all joy. We don't have to really talk much more about that. Uh, it, it's so counterintuitive to who we are, but God's word is so clear that when these things come, we are to find joy in them. It goes on to say this in verse 5. Now hope does not disappoint. Have any of you ever been disappointed before? Uh, we, we, we live in a world that's full of disappointments. Um but it's nice to know that we have a God who doesn't disappoint uh, and we have a future that will not disappoint. Because sometimes when I say the statement, we, we serve a God who doesn't disappoint, he doesn't disappoint. But sometimes we assume or we place on God our idea of what should happen. And then when it doesn't happen that way, we're like, oh man, I'm disappointed with God. 
Okay, um, God's not disappointing. That's actually us disappointing ourselves by, 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 by thinking a certain way. But when it comes to heaven, even your greatest, your greatest imagination of what heaven is like. I mean, I've got some crazy imaginations of what heaven's like. When we're told that we're going to be like Jesus, we're going to be like God. Uh, I think of, I don't think of Jesus walking on water. I don't think of him multiplying food like it's going out of style. What I think of is Jesus after his resurrection, because now he's in his glorified body. When, when we get to heaven, we're going to be able to go for about it. He's walking through walls. He's teleporting here and there. And he's all Neo from the Matrix flying up into heaven. When we get to heaven, if I can fly and walk through walls, all of my greatest superhero dreams are coming true. And even at that, that's a disappointment compared to what God has for us. His hope does not disappoint. The colors are described as ways we don't have them. The food, I mean, food in heaven is going to be crazy. Uh, uh, gold, gold that is transparent. I've never seen transparent gold, but it's there. There, there's rivers that have gold dust floating in them. That's, I mean, we're talking so beyond our expectations. It does not disappoint. It does not disappoint. It doesn't disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. The Holy Spirit is the greatest gift that has ever been given to the church, second to Jesus coming and giving us new life. The Holy Spirit is the greatest gift because now it is in that new life that we can function. The Holy Spirit comes. He's our comforter. He's our helper. He directs us. He helps, guides us. Uh, he, he has given us giftings. Uh, we can function in our fullest capacity now because the Holy Spirit has been poured out for us. Verses 6 and 7, they, they say, For when we were still without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will somebody die. Yet perhaps for a good man, someone would even dare to die. Uh, in other words, what Paul's saying is, is no one in their right mind says, Oh, that dude's, that dude's a terrible person. I'm going to go die for him. I'm just going to take his place. No one does that. He says, Scarcely will you find someone who does good and someone wants to die for them. I mean, it, we innately are selfish people. Uh, and, and it is in our human nature to look out for numero uno. Uh, so scarcely will even a, a, a good person take the place of a better person. But Paul says this in verse 8. He says, but God demonstrated his love towards us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God's love uh, is key. Um, and I want to spend just a few moments looking at God's love uh, because it is so key uh, to our understanding of who God is. Um, it, it, it's somewhat easy to look at our situation now and be like, yeah, I put my faith in Jesus. I'm living for the Lord. Maybe I'm an intern at Hillside and I'm serving the Lord 30 plus hours a week for a living, that's what I do. Like, obviously, yeah, God loves me. Uh, but when did God love us? While we were still sinners. Here's the thing. God loved us at every moment. Not just when we were good. Not just when we were mediocre but had a good mind. No, no God loved us at every stinking moment. From the worst, most despicable thing you have ever done in that moment when everything around you is saying, I deserve destruction, I'm the worst person, God should just kill me now. 
God says, no, I love you. And because I love you, I sent my son. The example would be like this. Let's say, let's say I was out on a drive. Uh, no, let's use, let's use Dan and Ken's as an example. Let's, Dan and Ken's are out on a drive. They're looking for a house. And they're going to buy a house. They're going to buy a nice house. Uh, and Dan gets wind of this Craigslist deal. There's a house for five thousand dollars. Prophesying, bro. Uh, I no, I'm not. I'm, not. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, brother. I'm sorry. But he finds this five thousand dollar house. He's like, "This is awesome. We're gonna buy a house. It's so cool." He tells Ken's kids, "Like, that's so cool. Let's go look at it." And they go and they look at it. They go and they look at it. It doesn't have a roof. The roof's all caved in. It's got like ripped up carpet. You can see on the electrical sockets. Like there are sparks bouncing off the wires because there's something wrong here. There's water leaking everywhere. And, and Dan's like, oh, okay, $5,000. And Ken's goes, I love it. Oh, this is so great. And, and Dan goes, really? She's like, oh, we got to buy it. We got to buy it. And Dan says, all right. So, so Dan spends $5,000. He gets a house. Then behind Kenzie's back, Dan goes and he spends several hundred thousand dollars on a few contractors. And they come in and they just they revamp the entire thing. Beautiful new granite countertops. Like up to speed all all stainless steel beautiful kitchen work uh, a creative room where Kenzie can do whatever she wants and like uh, just beautiful he's, he's done everything and so then when it's time to close she's like alright Ken's time to go to her house and Ken's like I can't wait to see that shack it's gonna be great you know and then Dan gets there and Ken sees it she's like oh my gosh it's amazing I loved it when it was a shack and I love it now. God loved us when we were the dilapidated shacks, roofs caved in, uh, floorboards ripped out. When we were something that nobody would want, God said, I still love you and I'm willing to give everything for you. $5,000, man, I'll slap a million down on it. Because he loves us. And he cares for us. And no matter what we have done, we cannot outrun the love of God. Mm-hmm. We serve a God who is so radically and desperately in love with us that he is going to go to the dirtiest, darkest places so that he can say, I love you. The crazy part about it is it's unconditional. Because he goes to those dark and dark, those dark and dirty places. He says, I love you, and people say, all right, whatever. Whatever. That's awesome. Cool. On to the next one. And people reject him, yet he still meets them where they're at and says, I love you. I love you. That's where we were. The book of Ephesians, he says, we were once dead in our sin and trespasses. But God loves us. And because he loves us, he cares for us. He cares about our eternity. He cares about our well-being in the here and now. He says, yeah, you can rejoice in the hope because you're going to be hanging out with me. But because I love you, you can rejoice when things are going bad. Because I got a plan. I got a purpose. Much more, having now been justified by the blood, we shall be saved from the wrath through him. We're saved from wrath. There's a there's juxtaposition between tribulation and wrath. Wrath is God's punishment being poured out. Tribulation is God saying, all right, I'm going to grow you. There's a big difference. For we were enemies, but now we've been reconciled to God through the death of his son. How much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved by his life?
His death is what saved our dirty, dark, despicable sinners. But his life is what propels our, our new life. We are reconciled through his death, but we are saved through his life. Because he loves us. And not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, through whom we have now been uh, we have now received this reconciliation. So 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 God loves us. Uh, we could spend forever talking about God's love. Uh, I, I I had like a twenty five minute sermon. Uh, two Wednesday nights ago about how God is love, and I think it turned into an hour uh, because God's love is ridiculously amazing. Um, so the question I want to ask, and I'm actually going to wrap it up here in just a second. Um, yeah, I know, right? Um, we, we have God's love, and God's love is so ridiculously amazing. And we have Paul telling us to rejoice in trials and tribulations. So how come do we as Christians still complain. Remember we said, we, we opened it with, peace reigns when no one complains. Why do we as believers still complain about our situation? Because yeah. let's be honest. Rejoicing in our trials and tribulations, like it produces perseverance. Perseverance produces character. Character produces hope. That's all really good. But I still complain when I'm going through it. Mm-hmm. We do. But Why? If, if, if we fully trust God, and we know he's got a plan and a love, then why do we complain? Um, I think it's because it's human. And here's a good example of, of the humanity of, of this. Um, how many of you guys know who uh, Salome is? Anyone know who Salome is? Salome was the mother of the sons of thunder. Uh, John and James, two of Jesus' disciples. Uh, and, and, and when Jesus is coming in, he's like right before the triumphal entry that they're getting to Jerusalem. Salome can sense that something's in the air. She can smell it. Uh, she's like, man, Jesus is going to do something big. In her mind, Jesus is going to overthrow the Roman Empire and establish this messianic kingdom on earth. And Salome begins to just worship Jesus like it's going out of style. Her, her, her heart wasn't to worship God. She had an ulterior motive. How many of us, maybe when we've been going through a hard situation, maybe when we haven't, but when we just want something from God, do we get a little extra in our worship? We're like, oh, man, I love God. Yeah. Jesus can see that. Um, I, I, I'm not telling you don't sell out and worship. Sell out and worship. But be sincere. Jesus says to Salome, he doesn't say, oh, man, thanks for the worship. He says, Woman, what do you want? Woman, what do you want? He just cuts right through it. And Sloma says, all right, yeah, Jesus, I know something's going to happen. So when you enter your kingdom, when you enter into paradise, can my two boys, James and John, can they be on your right and left side? You just like enter in together, like the three of you guys, like the sons of thunder right next to Jesus. Like this is going to be awesome. Can you do that? And Jesus looks and he says, a very simple question. But Jesus answers with this really cryptic answer. He says, are you able to drink the cup that I'm about to drink? So it's like, so James and John may be embarrassed that Jesus is asking this question in front of the disciples. The Bible tells us that the disciples were pretty frustrated with James and John and were really frustrated with Salome. Uh, I thought of a 
stupid joke I was going to say. The disciples were going to tell Salome it was baloney, but no, uh, it doesn't rhyme, so I'm not going to do it. Baloney. Uh, baloney. Uh, yeah, so, 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 I, lo- I lo- just, just lost it. Um, so they say, yeah, of course, Jesus. And he's like, nah, nah. And he just, he just moves on from it. Well, a few days go by, triumphal entry. Woohoo! She's like, man, I really wish Jesus would have said, yeah. Passover meal. Oh, this is great. James and John hanging out. They're like, Jesus is going to do his thing. Judas leaves. They're like, what's going on? The whole thing in the garden takes place. Jesus gets arrested. And then he gets put on trial. And the next thing you know, Salome is there the day Jesus is on the cross with a few other women. And not only is she looking up at Jesus on the cross, I can only imagine her look to the right and to the left and see that there's two men crucified right next to Jesus as he's entering into his kingdom, as he's entering into paradise. And I can only imagine her her thinking to herself, what on earth was I asking why on earth would I ask for this? And the reason I bring this up is because so many times we complain about our hard situations and we say, God, if you truly love me, then wouldn't you do this? Or, God, I've got this great idea. And we can do a lot of things for you. Just just give me favor here. And we, we begin to impose on God our own desires and our own wills and what we think is best. Whereas Jesus is in the garden praying, not my will, but yours be done. We pray, Jesus, my will, and I really don't like yours, so my will be done. But if we could only fast forward and see the end result... I think probably 10 times out of 10, we wouldn't ask such silly questions. And we wouldn't question God's sovereignty in such a silly way. Um, she, This mother was not ready to see her two sons crucified next to Jesus. Um, in the moment, it sounds great. Yeah. But actually the outcome is mourning because it's the death of her boys. It's the death of her leader. Um, How often do we ask the question, God, why are you doing it like this way? Or God, give me this. God, give me this. God, give me this. God, give me this. When God's saying, no, just persevere. Trust me. Trust that I love you enough to care for you and want what's best for you. He says, he says, Uh, Why do you worry about tomorrow? I mean, don't the squirrels and the birds, doesn't God know if they're going to get food tomorrow? How much more does he care about you? You serve a God who is greater than any earthly father. And when when you have an earthly father and you say, I want bread, does he give you a rock? How much more will our father in heaven give to us freely? The problem is we ask for the wrong reasons. We ask for us. We ask for the instant gratification. But that's the hook, line, and sinker of the devil. God wants us to play the long game. Here's the the thing I want to close with this. Uh, We've all prayed before. 
Do you know that God hears when you pray? God, God hears us when we pray. And not only does God hear us when we pray, but God answers us every single time. Every single time. I can't tell you how many times I've heard, and there's been multiple times where I've said this, God's not answering my prayer. I just got to be patient, and he'll answer my prayer. Thing is, he already answers your prayer. You pray it, he answers it. Sometimes it's just not what we want to hear. God answers our prayers, our prayers one of three ways. Every single time. If I ask Josh, Josh, what's your name? Josh. He answers. That's how quick God answers every single time we pray. This might sound counter to our experience, but God answers one of three ways. He says, no. Which sometimes we're like, thank you, God. Other times we're like, really, God? Okay, I'll trust you. He answers no. He answers go, which is that, woohoo, yeah. God said yes, I'm doing it, I'm doing it. The third way is normally the hardest one for us to hear. And God says, slow. No, go, and slow. Slow is sometimes the hardest because God answers it in the moment. He says, no, persevere, 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 persevere. Rejoice in tribulation. Knowing that tribulation produces perseverance and perseverance produces character and character produces hope. Because the worst thing that gets thrown at us in this world, what is it compared to the hope of the glory that we have? Persevere, persevere, persevere. As gold and silver are refined by fire, as wine is refined by being poured out, as, as, as the potter uh, and then the pot is molded and formed over time, so too we, as followers of Christ, we're going to be molded. We're going to be formed. We're going to be put through the fire. Not to question our faith. Not to punish us. But in all things, so that God's glory may be shown and that our faith and our resolve will be strengthened. God's got a plan and a purpose for each and every single one of us, and it is epic. Our, our stories are all different, but our outcome, if we put our faith in God, it is the same, and it is hope, and it is the hope of glory. It is eternity with Christ. That's where our end is. So no matter what this world throws at us, we cling on to that. The nice part is none of us are doing this alone. we got brothers and sisters, and sometimes we're going through it, but we have a brother or sister who's not. We build one another up in our most holy faith. We encourage. That's why Paul, at every time he writes a letter, he says, exhort one another in these things. You are fellow you are fellow prisoners in chains with me, and we rejoice in our chains knowing that the salvation of God is coming. We build one another up. So be encouraged tonight that we serve a God who loves us, and he's not going to put us through that which will destroy us. But he's going to put us through that which we're going to have to look and say, all right, God, I need you. And he's going to say, yep, I'm right here. I got a plan. Let's do this. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Dear God, we just thank you so much uh, that you chasten those whom you love. Like a father chastens his son, you chasten us. You train us. You build us up. You instruct us. You propel us on a path that you have for us. And sometimes it's hard. But God, I pray that when those tribulations come, when those hard times come, God, that you would give us the heart of Jesus there in the garden 
where he says, not my will, but your will. God, may we rejoice in the hope that we have. May we rejoice in the tribulation that helps produce that hope. God, I pray that as we rejoice in the tribulation, God, that you will build us in our perseverance. So that five years from now, the thing that seems so trivial and tribulation filled, five years from now, it just seems like another day in the park because our perseverance and our character is stronger Mm -hmm. and our hope in you is greater. God, I pray for those of us who maybe have been going through it and we're like that piece of clay on on the potter's wheel and we feel complete. But God, you have the fires of the kiln right around the corner for us that are going to really strengthen us. God, I pray that you'd be preparing our hearts even now. God, for those who are maybe in the, the midst of the flames right now, God, I pray that you would give us perseverance. Help us know whose we are. And God, in all things, may we remember that you love us, not just when we're doing good, but God, you loved us at our worst and you love us still. God, may we, we, may we rest in that. God, thank you for your Holy Spirit who you've given to us. May we live our lives from a place of rejoicing rather than a place of complaining, knowing that that place of rejoicing is a place of peace. May we find our peace, a peace that passes all understanding. May we find that in you. Not in anything else, but in you and you alone. So God, we thank you and we praise you in your son's wonderful and beautiful name, Jesus Christ. And all God's people said, Amen. 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 Amen.